This morning, God's Word comes to us from 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy 1. We're going to begin our reading at verse 12 and then read through verse 17 of this chapter. First Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. What we hear now is God's word. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, children, this is a special day today because it is the Lord's Day. We get to come to God's house. It's a special day today because we once again have the ministry of the Word. God himself speaks to us this morning. And it's a special day today because it's the Lord's Supper. Uh, If you look up front, you can see uh, we have the table set with uh, fine white linens, We have the beautiful silver pitcher and the silver cup and the silver trays. We've we've brought out the finest today as we come to the Lord's table. And so I have a question for you. Who is the Lord's Supper for? When we have uh, special guests in our home, uh, we will take out the fine tablecloth We will take out the good china. We will have uh, the the real silverware on the table because there's someone special coming, someone important coming. Is that what we're doing today? That we have brought out the best, we have brought out the finest because the Lord's Supper is for those who are the best. It is for the elite. It is for the most spiritual. Is that what's going on with the the special linens and the special plates and the special glass this morning? Who is the Lord's Supper for? It is not for the best among us. It is not for the most spiritual among us. Rather, the Lord's Supper is a supper for sinners. It's a supper for those who recognize their unworthiness to come. Not that we are so great, not that we are elite, 
Not that we are super spiritual. We recognize we are unworthy to come to the table, and yet God himself invites us and calls us. It's a supper for sinners. Paul, who writes 1 Timothy, saw in his own life the power of the gospel to change him from one who opposed God to one who became one of the greatest servants of God. He was struck by the power of God in the gospel. He knew what it was to be a sinner. So this morning we talk about the Lord's Supper. Who are to come? It is a supper for sinners. A supper which acknowledges the depth of our sin. Paul says in verse 13, he says, I was a blasphemer, I was a persecutor, I was an insolent opponent. Paul doesn't cover anything up. He is very honest about his state before God rescued him. He is very honest about his state outside of the grace of God. We must be as honest. Recognizing outside of God's grace, there is nothing that would give us permission or a right to come here today. It's easy for us to to make our own disobedience to God not seem so bad. We say, well, we know we're not perfect, but we tend to compare ourselves to those who would say are the worst of sinners. I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not a murderer. At least I'm not an adulterer. At least I'm not a swindler. And by doing so, we tend to minimize our sin. The supper calls us to an honest acknowledgement of our sin. A reminder that all sin is an offense against God. All sin is sufficient to condemn us to an eternity away from God. We don't minimize our disobedience. We don't excuse our disobedience, make light of our disobedience. Rather, we acknowledge our disobedience as we prepare to come to the table. We don't want to minimize our disobedience. We don't want to maximize our obedience. We say, yeah, but look at all the good things I do. Look, I I come to church regularly every Sunday. Look, I tithe of all that God has given to me. Look, I'm of service in the church. I do this and this and this. And we forget that even these good things that we do, we do because God is at work in us. Left to ourselves, we would do nothing good. Left to ourselves, we would not pursue God's holiness, His righteousness at all. But He is at work in us. He has given us His Holy Spirit, which, who works in us, to give us that desire to live in a way that is pleasing to God. We must not minimize our disobedience. We must not maximize our obedience. For even the obedience we give is a gift God has given to us. As I said, Paul was very honest with who he was. Paul says, I was a blasphemer, one who violated the first table of the law of of honoring God and honoring who he is. I was a persecutor, one who broke the second table of the law, not loving his neighbor as he ought. I was an insolent opponent. The apostle Paul was not the kind of guy you wanted moving next door to you. 
That's the kind of guy he was. Blasphemer, persecutor, insolent, actively pursuing the church of God. And yet Paul acknowledges his sin and the depth of his sin. And as we approach the table, we are to do the same. We are those who in our lives have not loved God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. We are those who in our lives have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We openly acknowledge our sin before God because when we do, then the glorious words of verse 15 ring so true for us. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's who he came for. He did not come for the righteous. He did not come for the elite. He did not come for the super spiritual. Jesus Christ came sinners to save. And that's our confession as we approach the table this morning. We are those who are fallen. We are those who are sinful. Yet we look away from ourselves and look to Christ. This past week has been a week of preparation. Preparation to come to the table. And we've, we've evaluated our words. The words we've spoken to our spouse, to our family, to our coworker. We've evaluated our actions both at home and at school and in church. We've evaluated our thoughts our desires. And in a week of self-examination to come to the table, there is a real danger. Because we see our sin all too clearly. And it's easy to come to the conclusion, well, therefore, I can't come. Look at what I've said. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've thought. There's no way I can come to the table. Here's a trustworthy saving. Jesus came sinners to save. It is a supper for sinners. Those who acknowledge their sin, those who recognize the depth of their sin, that's what qualifies us to come. Not that we are the righteous, not that we are the the elite, but Jesus came sinners to save. The supper is for sinners. It's a supper that reminds us of the abundance of God's grace. Paul honestly acknowledges who he was. He said, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. God's grace overflowed. God does not give his grace sparingly. God does not give his grace miserly but God gives his grace abundantly. Abundantly able and willing to forgive all of our sins, all of our offenses, all of our iniquities. Not giving out grace with an eyedropper, but that grace overflowed to me. How thankful we can be. God's grace continues today to overflow. God continues to be patient. Look what he says in verse 16. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him. 
God is patient with us. He is a patient, loving Father caring for us, His children. Even though we still sin, even though we fall short, God continues to forgive us when we turn to Him. God continues to call sinners to repentance, to call us to recognize the depth of our sin and know the glories of Christ. He does that again this morning. If you are here and don't recognize the nature of your sin, that it is an offense against God, God calls you to recognize that, but take your eyes off of that and place your eyes on Jesus Christ, on what He has done, on the abundance of His grace, that He would go all the way to death to secure our life. He came sinners to save. It is a supper for sinners a supper for those who recognize their fallenness, but who recognize the finished work of Christ on their behalf. And Paul, Paul says, here is a trustworthy saying, Jesus Christ came sinners to save, of whom I am the foremost. Paul saw himself as the chief of sinners. Not of whom I am a little bit guilty, of whom I am the foremost. Paul, the blasphemer. Paul, the persecutor. Paul, the insolent oppressor. If after examining ourselves this past week, we begin to think, you know, our sins, our particular sins, are really too big for God to forgive. Oh, He can forgive others. He can forgive the little things. But I... I, I've done some things, I've said some things, I've thought some things that are so offensive. They're certainly too big for the grace of God. Paul says, I was the foremost of sinners, the chief of sinners, and yet God in His love was able and willing to save me. And the same is true today. You cannot out-sin the love and grace of God. The blood of Jesus Christ covers all of our sins. A complete remission of all our sins. That's what we celebrate today as we come to the table. It is a supper for sinners who recognize the glorious grace of God. And as Paul reflects on these things, as he writes these things, it's as if he can't help but break into praise to God. He's talking about what God has done for him. He's talking about he's the chief of sinners. He's talking about his patience. And he goes on almost without missing a beat in verse 17. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This this reality overflows in praise. It moves him to praise God for what he has done. To reflect upon how great God is. And we do the same today as well. As we come to the, day, to the table, it is not an expression of how good we are, that we are worthy in ourselves. We have earned the right in ourselves to come. No, it's a supper that points to how great God is. That in spite of my sin, in spite of my shortcomings, God is still gracious, and I am, I am moved to a greater praise and devotion for him praising him as the immortal the invisible the only god 
to whom be glory and honor forever and ever. That God, this great God, would welcome sinners. He doesn't ask us to come looking perfect in ourselves. It's a supper for sinners. That, that reality moves us to praise God. And in the supper, God then strengthens us for our life and for service to God. That's how Paul begins, verse 12. I thank him who has given me strength, Jesus Christ our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. As we come to the table, we are spiritually strengthened. We feed by faith on the body and blood of Christ. And that, that strength is not simply self-serving. It strengthens us so we can be of service to others. We come to the table today, a supper for sinners, that we might be strengthened so we can go out and share the glorious truth that we know about a God who is so great, who is so loving, who would save the worst of sinners, who would save us. We come to the table and are strengthened. So when we go back to work tomorrow, we might open our mouths to declare what God has done. When we go back to school tomorrow, we might tell about how wonderful God is and how rich is His grace. When we are in our homes tomorrow, with our family, with our children, we remind each other of a God who is merciful and gracious and loving and kind, and we serve our God because he has strengthened us today for his service. Oh, it's a wonderful thing to come to the Lord's table. God, God has a supper for us today. Not a supper for the elite, not a supper for the super spiritual, not a supper just for the elders but a supper for sinners. For those who do not cover up their sin, but rather acknowledge their sin. Not, not minimizing their disobedience, not maximizing their obedience, but recognizing we are those who are fallen, who are sinful, and who look away to ourselves, away from ourselves. We look to Jesus Christ, the one whose grace overflows the one whose grace and whose blood removes all of our transgressions, all of our iniquities, completely washed, completely cleansed. And we come that we might give praise to God for what he has done, and we might serve him and serve those around us. Welcome, my friends, to a supper for sinners. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you and praise you for your gifts to the church. You give us, O God, your holy word, and you give us the ministry of that word, whereby Lord's Day after Lord's Day we might hear the glories of the gospel. And beyond that, O God, you give us the Christian sacraments. You give us the Lord's Supper whereby we not only hear the gospel, but we see the gospel. We see in the bread and the wine the body and blood of Christ. And we are reminded that, that he would go all the way to the cross, sinners to say, not the best, not the brightest, but he came for those like us. 
Lord God, may our celebration today strengthen us that we might praise you more fully, recognizing what you have done, and strengthen us that we might serve you more diligently as we interact with those around us. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. In the back of our Psalter hymnal, we have the formulary for the celebration of the Lord's Supper, and that is on page 151 in the back of the Psalter. We will use that for our celebration this morning. Reading from page 151, the formulary. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the night in which he was delivered up to be crucified, the Lord Jesus instituted the sacrament of Holy Communion, saying, This do in remembrance of me. In obedience to that command, we now celebrate this memorial feast. We therefore bid all of you who have confessed your Lord, who have truly examined yourselves, according to the admonition of the Apostle Paul, to come in contriteness of heart and assurance of faith to commune with Christ in the partaking of this Holy Supper. As we now draw near, let us consider for what purpose the Lord instituted his supper, namely, that we should keep it in remembrance of him, and that he, by this sacrament, should nourish and refresh us unto eternal life. To observe this Holy Supper in remembrance of him is to proclaim our Lord's death until he comes again. In partaking of this supper, therefore, we remember that our Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior promised to the fathers in the Old Testament, that he is the eternal and only begotten Son of God, that he assumed our human nature in which he fulfilled for us all obedience and the righteousness of God's law, and that he bore for us the wrath of God under which we should have perished everlastingly. We remember that he was bound, that we might be loosed from our sins. That he was innocently condemned to death, that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God. That he became a curse for us to fill us with his blessing. And that he humbled himself on the cross to hell's deep agony, which wrung from him the cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That God might never forsake us. We remember also that he was buried to sanctify the grave for us, that he was raised for our justification, that he is exalted at God's right hand, and that he shall come again to judge the living and the dead. And we remember that the shedding of his blood has confirmed for us the new and eternal testament, the covenant of grace. As we thus commemorate the death of Jesus Christ, we are assured that he will truly nourish and refresh us with his crucified body and shed blood to everlasting life. This he promises in the institution of this supper, saying of the bread, this is my body, and of the wine, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many unto remission of sins. With these words, our Lord directs our faith to his perfect sacrifice, once offered on the cross, as the only ground of our salvation, 
He also assures us that he, by his death, has taken away our sin, the cause of our eternal death, and has obtained for us the life-giving Spirit. By this Spirit who dwells in Christ as in the head, and in us as his members, he brings us into true communion with himself, and makes us partakers of all his riches, of life eternal, righteousness, and glory. By this same Spirit, he causes us, together with all true believers, to be united as members of one body in true brotherly love, as the Holy Apostle says, seeing that we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. And inasmuch as it said to us, as often as ye eat this bread and drink the cup, ye proclaim the Lord's death till he come, we are assured by this holy supper that our Lord Jesus will come again to receive us to himself, and that we shall sit down with him and drink with him the fruit of the vine in the newness of our Father's kingdom. That we may obtain these blessings, let us implore God for his grace. Let's pray together.